I'm confused because you were referring to waveforms as one thing, and I feel like Tiff was referring. I don't know. It's different. It applied to both parts of the anatomy. It's and different I'm for men and for women, Matt. They're different. We can go over They're different this. Different parts. Yeah. They have different parts. What? I think they have books about this. Mm-hmm. Where? Just ask your local stork. <laughs> <laughs> this show is so educational. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on today's cast are my two lovely co-hosts, as usual, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us again. Just a quick reminder that if you ever want to reach out to us and have a chat, you can find us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can choose an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can always join the conversation over at the BGG Guild, number 2077. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Google+. We are all over the interwebs. Come have a chat. So, for today's show, we've got some cool things lined up. We are going to do our top of the stack for October, because it is a brand new month. And then we are going to do a designer spotlight on Mr. Stefan Feld, the Euro King himself. But before we get into any of that, we are going to start as we normally do by chatting a little bit about what we've been playing. And Tiff, you played some games. Yeah, I played games that were like not kids games too. It was exciting. Please pick a good one. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess I'll start out with Historia, which is a kind of dry civilization sort of game. It has... It looks, the board, if you look at it, looks like a grid. (laughs) It doesn't look like a lot of civilization games where, you know, you're moving dudes around on a map and building buildings and things like that. You're kind of doing those things, but you do them with cards. So it's sort of hand management-y. You have certain cards. You choose which ones to play. You simultaneous reveal them. The grid represents, one way represents your technology, and the other way represents military military yeah yeah so see dan's played this and i think we've probably already talked about it but it's i think it's technically like your government but yeah it's military power your leadership style or something like that yeah yeah so and then there are like special leader cards that give you things that get played throughout the game in any case i think it's one definitely a game that i would want to play more than once to get the real like nitty gritty feel of it but i really liked it and it was so delightfully dry and i don't know it was great (laughs) like this is a game i could definitely never put in front of a 13 year old but oh it was awesome felt so good to play a game that was above their the colors were so muted (laughs) it was awesome (laughs) yeah i think that we have chatted about this one before dan in particular you've played this a couple times right yeah, I I have this game. It's one of uh, it's one of my favorite Civ games. Actually, I really like it. I still have yet to play this. I would recommend it. Does it play okay with two? I played it. It was amazing. I played it with two, and it was fine. Oh really? Yeah. This is the one with the robots, right? If you yeah. have less people, I think I, think I talked. I don't know how much I talked about it before, but 
Yeah, you can play up to six, and then you can f- you can actually backfill in players with this bot system that they have. And it's not overly complex, but it does add a little bit, especially kind of on the map part of the game, because de- depending on your location on the map, you can do certain things with certain action cards, as well as, like Tiff mentioned, the top part is a grid, and it's it's a very abstracted way of kind of viewing your civilization and location on that grid in comparison to other players as well as the robots triggers different abilities within your hand that you can play so with two it's it's good but you definitely need to play with those robots because if you don't have those robots it's it's a really kind of dry experience <laughs> like it's See, not we that played, exciting we played without robots and it was really dry and there were a couple of times when it was like I don't know, how many times in a row am I going to do the exact same thing uh, as the other person? So that was kind of weird, but it, it didn't, It once we got going, it we separated out and we're doing different things and going different directions and you kind of have to, there's a card and I f- I'm forgetting, I'm so bad, my memory is terrible. The revolution. The revolution card determines the end of the round, so it's kind of like predicting trying to get that card out there before the other player does because it lets you uh, keep some some cards uh, and otherwise you don't get to keep those cards. So I don't know. I really like the that particular thing is just predicting what someone else is going to do, add some tension. It was fun, nice. even with no bot. The hand management translates into the discard, which is kind of cool. But yeah, the bots, in my experience, the bots will go away rather quickly because they they start out, the same as you, but they're randomly kind of increasing in power. And usually you can get most of the bots eliminated, but there's always one that kind of hangs around and really gives you a run for your money. I know last time I played with two, it was uh, Smee and I, and the bot technically actually won Ugh. in point value. Um, so it was, I feel it was like that would be that. devastating to my ego. No, well, it's, the way the bot system works, they're just constantly churning. Yeah. So, but it's it's really well integrated. So I I highly recommend it at all player accounts. To be honest. Nice. We'll have to break this out sometime. I'll go ahead and jump in here. One of the games that I played is also kind of a civilization game. Uh, Kel, Dan, and I played this. We got our first game of Tiny Epic Galaxies in, and I backed it because it's cheap, and that's kind of the main reason why you back these tiny epic games is because they're cheap and well produced and you know it's fun to see what they do different this time so this one is civilization building kind of basically you're conquering planets um, through dice rolling and the dice that you roll will give you action options you have some re-rolls and some mitigation in there but essentially the dice allow you to do certain things like gain different types of currency and send your ships out to colonize these planets and the more planets you colonize, the more points you get. And when you get to a certain number of points, you trigger the end of the game. And whoever has the most points after that wins. Hmm. What? I just said, hmm. Oh. <laughs> it's it's pretty light. Um, and I enjoyed it in concept. I think that it's probably my favorite of the two that I've played. I haven't played Defenders yet, but I played Kingdoms. And I've played Galaxies now. And I like Galaxies a lot better than uh, Tiny Epic Kingdoms. But it ran a little bit long for what it was. I feel like at three players, it shouldn't have run as long as it did, and that might be because we were feeling out the system, and Kel was really taking some time deliberating, Um, and I appreciate the fact that the game provides the amount of decision-making to actually take some time on your turn. It just felt like it was running a little slow um, for what it was. 
I think that maybe with two players and some experience that things would pick up pace, uh, but I liked it. You know, all the planets have different abilities. You can upgrade your galaxy, your civilization to get more dice and get more ships and kind of improve your, your engine and your performance. Um, so it kind of picks up as the game goes along. So I think I'll be holding on to it and try it out a little bit more. I, in particular, want to try out the solo mode because I hear that that's pretty good and it's got a lot of different difficulties. But it it kind of fits in the tiny epic world where if you're not really into these big game in a small package, um, you lose something when you when you translate a game like that. So if you're not into that kind of translation, then this probably won't be for you. You know, I don't. What do you think of it, Dan? I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to start out with it's definitely probably the most interesting of the three, at least for me. Um, I didn't like Kingdoms. Defenders was kind of eh. This one had some interesting mechanics associated with the dice rolling, which I thought was cool. Some some small comboing, but all in all, I'm still trying to figure out what's so epic about these games because they're, they're kind of a snooze. They, they provide some decisions, but they don't ever really escalate into anything even more interesting they kind of have this even plane of excitement for me and i don't i don't ever go above or below it i don't know if that makes sense um, but i just kind of sit there and just i just go through the motions basically uh with the game and well produced i understand the appeal i really do i mean it's i mean price to sell uh there is enough game in there for the 16 bucks or whatever you paid for it i Having known that I probably wouldn't like it and knowing that Matt bought it, I actually just sold mine unopened when I received it um, because I figured it was having experience like the other ones since I backed that. I figured it probably wasn't going to be for me. Yeah. So I don't know. It was I, 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 I guess I enjoyed my time sitting around with you guys playing a game, which is always fun. But there was on that table that we had last night, there was way better ways I'd rather spend 45 to 60 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no there's no development in the game. That's the weird thing is that the only thing that really changes is you advance your civilization and you get some more dice and that's nice because it gives you more options, but the gameplay itself is is the same and you're you're trying to do it well and there's yeah. a few different powers, but in general, roll dice, play ships optimally and there's no real development like you would get out of a Civ game where you're kind of creating new ships or you're upgrading or you're doing this or doing that. There's none of that kind of for lack of a better word and to sound cliche, emergent gameplay. You know, there's none of that. It it really doesn't, it stays one note the whole time. But it That's is, what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> why I was, I was trying to kind of put that into words. Um, But it, it's it's fun. You know, it's not not fun. And it might be a good two-player game, I think. But yeah, it just kind of, you know, every now and then, I'm not going to be rushing to get it back to the table. It's the only tiny, tiny epic thing that I didn't back because it took yeah. me two games worth to realize like, okay, there's a lot of hype involved with this one. Yeah. The marketing is really good on it and the price mm -hmm. point is right. So it's really easy to get excited about it. But I was like, yeah, I'll just save my 16 bucks this time. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad purchase. I don't regret it. You know, I think it is the best of the of the games that I've played. But, you know, it's it's largely forgettable. It's all right. It's an okay game. I but flipped anyway. mine for like thirty eight bucks. That's insane. My deluxe version. So I was like, cool. Yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't pay that much out there, people. It's not it's not that good. But that's good that Dan made a profit off of it, because then he can buy more games. Yep. Anyway, so uh one that hopefully Dan will talk about 
I did get to play, and it was very cool. So, Dan, how about you take over? Um, actually, I'm going to start off with something you didn't get to play. Darn. Because it's kind of fresh in my head. Yeah. And that is the new Istanbul expansion. I played this week at our game store was Thor's Day, which is once a month on Thursday. They keep the store open until midnight, and we get to go and play, which is awesome. And I was kind of wandering around, and I was sitting there with Smee, and I was like, man, I really want to try that Istanbul expansion, because I'd really like to see what it adds to the to the base game, which is a solid game in itself. I kind of went into it thinking, okay, it'll probably add a little bit of spice. I mean, it literally adds coffee, so I was <laughs> not too far off. But I needed something to freshen it up, because we, we played it a lot when it first Would came out Would you say that it year. energizes the game? It does definitely energize the game. Pep things oh. <laughs> up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out of coffee puns. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think and I'm like, well, I guess we could edit out my silence if I really came up with a good one. But I didn't. Anyways, we were standing there and this guy that, that Smee knows from uh, Game Night was like, hey, I just bought the Istanbul expansion. You guys want to try it? And I was like, well, I'll be. Yeah, let's try it. <laughs> so we sat down, we played three players. And what this new expansion adds is a couple of things. Like I mentioned, coffee. Coffee and backsheesh is the new thing. So you get these le- neat little uh, brown satchels are representing the coffee meeples. And it also comes with um, a couple of new tiles for the board that kind of have the coffee resource either available to them or you can trade it in for gems. Um, it adds more cards and it adds a couple of new special tiles that you can get new powers on, which I'll talk about in a minute. And it also adds these guild cards, which are these one-time effect cards that you can spend your entire turn to use this card and they're quite powerful so i understand why you're spending your entire turn but um other than that not too many changes to the the base mechanic as far as movement picking up your dudes etc the only difference is now you play no matter what the player count to six gems so whereas before it was only six gems in a two-player game now everyone plays the six gems because there's more ways to score. So overall, I thought it was I thought it was really good. I got the same vibe that I got when we busted out the Five Tribes expansion. It's it's one of those things that it it smoothly integrates. It it works really well, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, but if you're a huge fan of Istanbul and you're looking to kind of refresh it, because it can get a little bit solvable after a while not completely with the random setup but to a certain degree i'd highly recommend it because it does like matt said it does re-energize it a bit and i liked some of the new things it did um the guild cards were were really powerful and if you can get them at the right moment they uh really boost your chances of getting around the board getting resources etc one of the new movement tiles which is really kind of (laughs) good lets you move in any one direction as far as you want and the board now is five by four. So going on the horizontal axis, that can get you from one side to the other really quickly. To counter that, they did put in a a wall, a blockade little piece that if somebody pays on one of the squares, they can take control of this blockade and they put it on uh, between two tiles. And what it allows them to do is take the action of one of those tiles, send it like a prisoner, um, but also blocks movement for all other players that don't have this blockade tile that you had. So a couple of little things, but like I said, it's not, it didn't like completely change the gameplay. It just kind of added a couple new strategies and tactics to it. So I I think I'll probably pick it up. Nice. Yeah. I, I was excited to see that you got to try this because, you know, I don't own Istanbul, so I didn't have any interest in buying it, but I do like playing it. I know Steve, this is going to be a big one for Steve because him and Alicia 
are like Istanbul pros. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's good to hear that it's interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think it's a necessity. If you haven't really gotten the most out of your base game, Istanbul, you could still get away with playing Istanbul vanilla. But it, it does add a couple of cool cool twists. So, Tiff, so. didn't you get like a stellar deal on Istanbul at Origins? I did. It was super cheap. I don't rem- I feel like it was like 15 bucks. It was something like that because everything was like half off or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, did you get a chance to play yet? No. Oh. <laughs> well. Yeah. Well. Thanks, guys. Is this okay. this is just how the podcast goes for me from now on? You guys talk about a game, and you're like, "Hey, Tiff, you have that game. Have you played it yet? No. Okay, you make it's fun of me. Pressure. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's awesome. Hey, Tiff, why don't you play the games you buy? Let's do this. I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Tiff, you did play another game, and what was that game? I played Palaces of Carrera. Carrara. Oh shit. What? What's wrong, Dan? I'm so jealous. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Dan, have you played that game? No. Oh. Oh. The timeout. I don't own it, though. Well, neither do I. (laughs) (laughs) So what is this game that I know nothing about? Uh, It's a Kramer Kiesling thing, so you know how Dan feels about those dudes. It sits atop of my one in trade list, like (laughs) number one. It's pricey to get a even even buying the German copy is like eighty bucks, so it's a pricey pricey one. It's um it's kind of on the light side, really. It's a sixty minute game. It you are buying marble from Italy and investing in. That's so thematic. I love it. Oh boy, (laughs) are you serious? (laughs) I'm kidding. You're buying marble from Italy, and uh, you're investing in buildings that are getting built with that marble. The cool thing about the game is it has this little like. Oh, gosh. It reminds me of the thing in uh, Glass Road. It's like a little dial, and you put the marble blocks on it. There are blue, green, yellow, red, white ones. And um, so you they start off in one region where they're the, every single block has a price, and they're, it's the most expensive price for that block. And then when you buy from one of the wedges on that dial you rotate it and then that changes the values of the different blocks that you're buying am i making sense yeah so like it'll start of course it'll start in the section so white is worth six and yellow is worth five and then someone buys marble the thing gets rotated and on the next little wedge it's worth uh, white is worth five and yellow is worth four. And then on the next wedge, white is worth four and yellow is worth three. So it's kind of like you're playing this waiting game to see like, oh, there's some good stuff on there. If I just wait a little bit longer, it'll be a lot cheaper. If I just let the other person or people buy, it could get really cheap. And if eventually they're, they're, the last wedge is you only pay for white blocks and white blocks are more valuable because if you build buildings with them they're more lucrative but um you can get a lot of materials for free if you wait a while so i really like that aspect of it and what do you have to do to wait do you just not you you just don't buy uh you have some choices on your turn you can buy um marble or you can build buildings or you can buy buildings i think are the three things 
So there's like a central pool of buildings that you can take from, or you can build buildings in your tableau. Your tableau. Mm -hmm. Your tableau? Love you, Matt Riddle. (laughs) So. Hell is a tableau. (laughs) I'll never not think tableau. I just, I can't. He'll gladly come on the show and explain it to us if you'd like. (laughs) So I don't know. It was. It was really fun. I, I There's a lot into the box because we just played the basic game that comes with, but it has so many like ex- little modular type expansion thingies that come with it because there's a advanced variant that goes in there. So there are a lot of cards and things to add. And I'm, I know I'm skipping over a lot of the game, but that's the gist of it. Um, I really liked it. And it's on Yukata Dan. So we could play it anytime. I'm waiting. Look at yeah, that. no, I know. I've actually read the rules um, probably like three times in anticipation of somehow getting this game at some point. But what I'm... I might have to get it w- when I'm, I'm in Europe. What I'm saying is you don't have to get it to play it. You can play it today. Oh, no, he has to have it. I have to have this. <laughs> it must be mine. Well, let me let it's me good. piggyback off of this, Tiff, because um, we played Vikings. Have you played Vikings yet? Nope. Probably owns it, though. I don't own it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, so this is one of the two designers of Palaces of Carrera. Now, Dan, you probably know because you know them both, but is the the dial mechanism in Vikings the same as what Tiff is describing in Palaces of Carrera? No, I don't believe so. Basically, so we played Vikings, which is... It's a loosely themed Viking game. Basically, you're trying to build little islands and place different Viking laborers um, or craftsmen onto the islands and they score you points in various ways. But the reason why I piggyback off of your game, Tiff, is that it has this um, center dial of 12 tiles um, and they're all labeled with a value 0 through 11 and that is the cost to buy that tile. Um, There's some particular ways that you need to buy um, but essentially what you pay a certain amount of coin to pick up a tile and take that tile and put it into your tableau and uh, what will happen though is that that zero tile the cheapest tile at a certain point it can be taken and when it's taken the dial will shift to the next available tile making all the other ones cheaper so it sounded similar where like if you Take that zero tile, the the dial rotates. It's kind of like that. This one and makes the tiles cheaper. This one, the dial rotates anytime someone buys marble. So it's one of your three actions. Okay. I mean, ultimately, you're you're trying to score. That you have, I think it's five, maybe six different regions that you can build your tiles into, and you can score them by building type by. Uh, the actual region that they are. There are different ways to score your different rows of buildings that you're doing. So there are other things for you to do other than buy marble. So that's why it's kind of like this fun little like, ooh, well, if I can just buy these buildings and build them and then, you know, score while this... And and that's the other aspect of the game that's kind of neat is knowing when to score because I forget... I like I said, I forget everything. I have no memory. Once I play a game, it's like <laughs> it's done. I know that I liked it and I know a few aspects of it, but I don't remember details. Uh, but yeah, it, it's you should try playing it again. What? <laughs> I said you should try playing them again. Yeah, well, thanks, Dan. <laughs> I sure do wish I had a built-in game group that practically lived with me. That would make it a little bit easier. Bam. Hey, we offered 
you can move to Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not Don't a chance. Damn me, you chose to live in Ohio. We're very I, open. To I the was concept. born here. I choose. I chose not to move. Is what happened. So you had a choice. As long as you recognize that it's your doing. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with Ohio. Ohio is great. It just lacks an awesome, dedicated game group like the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Well, there mm-hmm. are game groups here. I just, I'm working on it. It's just, I'm rebuilding from scratch again, and it takes time. Be patient. You're going to be our, our Midwest branch. <laughs> You're the pioneer. That's right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I kind of interrupted your whole Vikings thing. I didn't know if no, I you're would, fine. Yeah. No, I, I piggybacked on him because I, I knew she that the designer She pillaged designers, your description. <laughs> she pillaged my description. Um, the designer, they share that designer in common, so I wasn't sure how much um, they had similar. In terms of Vikings, you know, we only got the one play, but I think we all really liked it. It was, um, it was tough to, you know, make the decisions because contrary to Palaces of Carrera, there isn't the ability to stall out and wait. Basically, you have to take a tile on your turn. I gotcha. And that's tough because sometimes you're thinking, okay, my options are to buy this tile, which I don't want, or buy this tile, which I don't need, or, you know, things like that. And you can see the opportunities that you're providing other players. And so it's really about, you know, maximizing your potential, but also minimizing the impact on you know your your opponent's performance you don't want to give them too much so i really liked it it was super quick um we really got a good idea you could kind of assess the board see what you need and just start making those plays it was it was all about you know i well i gotta take this so even though it costs a lot it's time to kind of make our moves so how long does it take i'd say we probably burned through it 50 minutes seems like too much. Would you say, Dan? I don't know, 45 minutes? It was less than an hour. Yeah. That yeah. And I, I could see it going faster just because there is that, that decision making that you need to make and that consideration. But half of what we were doing, you know, half of the time that we played, it was just clarifying and remembering the rules. And once you eliminate that stuff, once you're kind of mastered at that, then I could see just kind of making very deliberate decisions very quickly. And, you know, six rounds flies by. So I really liked it. I thought it was good. Um, but one that I want to try again, I heard there's some variants, Dan said. There's some other stuff that we didn't try. So Yeah, just like a lot of their games, there's like the base game and then there's the advanced game. I like that. Yeah, I do too because they're they almost feel like two different games, but they're both good, which is awesome because like I had that with uh, – I'm only going to say Sansuchi because that's the one I've most recently played. But once you kind of get versed at the base game, you add in the, the advanced boards onto your player screen thing, and then it makes it an even better game. Yeah, I'm, I was very so happy. Vikings. I got that in a trade for Penny Press, and I was ecstatic. Um, was a good I knew I would be. It's it's something that's been on my radar since I, I heard about the reprint. Um, I was just one of those things that... At $60, I was like, ooh, this will come down eventually. And I, I kind of held out and got this trade offer, and I didn't even hesitate. I, I did it on my phone, actually, when I got it. I was like, accept. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, really cool game. And it, like like all my first plays, it took a little while for me to kind of digest. The, I like to kind of look at the inner workings and how everything interlocks and that kind of thing. And I just got lost in a few areas and neglected a few other areas, and it just kind of boned me. But... I have the full picture and kind of taking a step back and digesting it. I really, I really enjoyed it. So last game, Dan, what else did you play? All right. I'm going to talk about uh, turns and taxis or turn and taxis. 
this is a game that I finally had a chance to pick up um, when I was down in North Carolina. Um, I got a really good deal on it. And it had been described to me as kind of like the next step after Ticket to Ride as far as like route building games. So it's like a route building game gateway plus kind of. So in this, it's got the highly energetic theme of kind of you are building postal routes in like the Bavarian countryside. Oh my gosh. So uh, the map is this board of like uh, old school Europe. And what you're trying to do is in front of you, you're trying to lay out cards that have the different cards in play are representative of the different locations on the board and you're trying to build a route so you know the way the the catch is though when you go to build a route on your turn you have to play a card to the left or the right of the current route that you have in front of you and the card that you play to the left or the right must be adjacent to the city that is already on the left or the right of your postal route depending on where you're playing it so it's kind of a neat little game there's only like three of each card in the deck so you're you're using these kind of special abilities to cycle the deck if you don't have what you want or you're scoring it. And then it has different rewards for, you know, length of route and filling up a certain region or getting one in every region. So there's all kinds of different like bonuses that you can accomplish. But all in all, I liked it. I thought it was good. It definitely, I definitely got that kind of ticket to ride, uh, step up vibe. I really liked playing with the routes in front of me, trying to manipulate how I went about uh, getting my different regions scored. So, yeah, I really liked it. And this was another one that played in under an hour, but, you know, had a healthy dose of decisions and was was entertaining. I remember reading about this because I was looking into it at one point and as kind of like a step up from Ticket to Ride. And it said that all the rules were simple, but there were a lot of little ones. Is that true? Yeah, there's so like on your turn, you can either um, draw a card So you draw a card and then you can if you want to or you have to play a card in front of you Mm -hmm. and then you can optionally score a route. So that's basically your turn. So you draw a card, play a card, score optionally. So it's it's a very simple turn structure, but there's a couple of little nitpicky things, but I wouldn't say it's overly burdensome the rule book itself is only three pages long. maybe with the expansions it adds a couple of different things um i'm actually looking into that right now because they're kind of hard to find at the moment but i've heard they add uh, a couple new kind of fresh ideas to it so but now overall i thought i mean matt you can jump in i thought me you and cal picked up on it after about the second turn yeah i it was super easy to play and once you get past i mean the player aids really good and and everything's marked on the board and once you know those little you know, nitpicky rules of what goes in what order and what happens in what phase, then you just kind of start doing them. And it's pretty easy to plan on the other player's turns, which means that things go pretty quick. Um, Occasionally, you know, someone will wipe all the cards and you're like, oh, well, the cards I wanted aren't there. But you just look at the new ones. You know, there's only six to choose from. And I thought it was fun. It's it's kind of, you know, I don't know. The game is good. It's kind of a like a mid-level, like I don't want to say mediocre, but it's a very kind of average experience. It's not a bad game, and I'd play it whenever. It's not super engaging, super exciting, super thinky, but it's very kind of, it's it's fun, you know? I don't know. It's kind of like t- if I went to play Ticket to Ride today, I'd be like, oh, this needs a little bit more. So Turns and Taxes gives you a little bit more, um, but it's not super, it's not super advanced. So I don't know. It sits on the same level as like a New York 1901. Oh. Yeah. Like yeah. neither are 
overly advanced or you know hugely interesting but they're both they do what they do well turns and taxes is kind of a it's kind of a boring looking game yeah. oh it's not <laughs> hideous to look at <laughs> new york 1901 and and like comparable games they're you know they're bright they're colorful and that kind of helps you get through the more mundane experience you know postal routes aren't terribly exciting and the colors are muted but you know i it you'd look past it you know all right i don't know i think it's good you should try it it was definitely it's very fun. brown <laughs> It is. It's just very dull and muted. I prefer my That's games okay. to be overly green. Oh, I, well, I hate that. You got nothing there. No green here. <laughs> so that is what we've been playing. Uh, lots of good games have gotten to our table. Very exciting. If you want to reach out to us, let us know on Twitter, on Facebook, or on the Guild what you've been playing, anything fun hitting your table, or if you've been playing these games, You know, be sure to let us know your thoughts on them. Speaking of the Guild, I just want to interject really quickly our micro badge has been approved i don't know that's kind of cool it's kind of silly uh people dig micro badges i dig micro badges so if you want one if you don't have the geek gold just uh there's a thread on our guild just go ahead and post in there say hey i like you guys you're cool or say you guys suck i'll still give you the geek gold because you're being honest um (laughs) and that's what matters is that you're honest yeah so that's cool and if you don't need the geek gold buy one still i was kind of blown away after like the first day it was approved uh about uh, by how many people were actually interested in buying one it's kind of neat so thank you guys you're awesome sport our tiny little shield yeah. the little <laughs> there's a tiny it. shield with a meeple on it it's pretty cool and thanks to biff for throwing that together and bgg for approving it obviously but you should be sporting your little tiny nonsensical gamer shield it's very cool so we are going to go ahead and transition right into top of the stack now no break required. Uh, let's recap September and chat about what we're looking to get to the table for October. And Tiff, we started with what's what we've been playing with you. So Dan, how did uh, September go for you? All right. So September, I had uh, Stouffer Dynasty, Viceroy or Viceroy or I don't even know which way to say it still, and River Dragons. So I got two of the three played, played River Dragons, Viceroy. I missed out on Stouffer Dynasty. I did read the rule book for the third time, so that's always a plus. So it's ready to go whenever I can get that to the table. But the two I did play, I, I liked River Dragons. Um, it's a it's a silly little game of program movement, and I, I liked it. It was something I received in a trade, and uh, I'm happy to get it because it, it worked well with the family. One thing I will say is don't play it with more than four players because it, it loses a lot of its... Uh, Luster. Yeah. yeah. It, it was really It's really fun with like four and it's really tense and, and kind of silly. But after that, it's kind of a dull experience. But like it, probably will keep it. Viceroy, yeah, I traded that immediately. Um, I got, I traded that for Francis Drake, which was a pretty ridiculous trade that I was very happy about. Another one of those ones that I didn't even hesitate on. I think it's a good game. I just, a couple of things about it, just I did not really enjoyed they didn't appeal to me and i didn't see it getting played all too often i don't know that it is a good game i think (laughs) it's a good game i just think there's there's other tableau building games that i'd rather play and that's kind of well how my mindset not every game lets you build a pyramid of power yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) so that's that and what's on the list for october uh for october I've got a couple of games I recently picked up. First one is my Catacombs, the new edition. I'm really excited to play this. Um, I had the old version. It was ugly as hell. 
Uh, this one is really good looking and silly and bigger and better. So I'm looking forward to playing that. Cole Baron. This is a Kramer and Kiesling that I picked up uh, on the cheap recently. So I'm very excited to try that one. So good. Yeah, I've heard good things about Cole Baron. I'm really excited to play it. And then Last Will, I also picked up recently. Heard nothing but good things about this one as well. And kind of the, the, the silly things that come about as you're trying to go bankrupt. So all three of those hoping to get played this month. Very cool. So for me, September had Mistfall, the Versus System card game, and Evolution with the Flight expansion. I did get to play Mistfall, although I played it solo, and I only played the intro scenario, so I don't know that I'm counting that. I still want to play that more. I, I've been bringing it to every game night, but it hasn't quite... The mood just hasn't been right to, to kind of break out a cooperative card game, adventure card game, but still looking forward to playing more of that. Um... The versus system, Cal really took to that. I was hoping that she would. It's a really easy system with, you know, Marvel characters. So I had a feeling she would like it. And we've been having fun kind of going back and forth, just trying out different decks. Um, I was very proud that my little 15-year-old nephew, Dan's son. 15-year-old? I don't have a 15-year-old that I know about. (laughs) 15-month-old. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Sorry, I play with your other son, too. Ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 15 month old, he, he brought over the versus cards to Kel yesterday and they started looking through them and he now knows how to identify beast on a card. <laughs> His first X-Men. And then, the right comic. and then evolution flight. I did not get to play. Unfortunately, I still want to, and I just don't know that I really want to play it two player. And I, we haven't had, um, I mean, we had a three-player game night last night, but we had some other things that we we got to the table instead. I just wasn't bringing evolution around, so I need to just keep that in the bag so I can give that a give that a try because it's supposed to be good. And they updated the other cards, but so that was September two out of three, not so bad. Uh, I still have never gotten three out of three, so I really need to try that. But October, I've got three new games on the table. I picked up the second edition of a Game of Thrones card game. Because I make wise decisions, and pretty much anything LCG expandable card game, I am in it. I you can't play all of these, you know that he and doesn't yet, either. And yet I do. It'll be traded. <laughs> no, I mean I I traded Netrunner because I couldn't find an opponent, but I still have all my other ones. You know, and we play them from time to time. I just don't pursue them consistently. You know, they're very casual experiences now because no one wants to dig into a game with me. But anyway, so I got that. I'm excited because um, we played. First edition, Cal and I have, and this is supposed to be more refined, uh, and the art looks great. You gotta look at that box cover. It looks awesome. Uh, Pandemic Legacy. Super excited to play Pandemic Legacy. Read the rulebook. The rulebook has sticker slots. The rulebook is gonna change as the game plays. I'm excited for that. Uh, We have set up a Friday, recurrent Friday game day. Me, Ben, Steve, and Kel. Um, Once Kel gets her wisdom teeth out next week, we will go ahead and start up some Pandemic Legacy and be playing that weekly. And then I got Vault Wars in the mail, which is a Kickstarter from John Gilmore. And it's supposed to be like uh, Storage Wars, the fantasy card game kind of thing. So you're bidding on different fantasy lots. You know, uh, apparently, like when heroes store their loot in storage <laughs> lockers and then they get left behind, you are going to bid on those and try to get the most money. So I'm excited to try that out just to see if it was a worthwhile backing or not. So we'll see. And that is my October. So Tiff, go ahead and take over. I did it. I did it. I played Nevermore. 
finally. Oh, you did. How was it? It was great. I liked it. Yeah. It's it's exactly as it was described exactly as I expected. It was drafting, it was simple, it was take that, and it was fun. I played it with three players. I think that it's one that'll be easy to break out and play again. So, huzzah. I think I'm so proud of you. I know. We didn't like that one. Well, I was curious to hear what you thought about it. I don't know if you've noticed this, but generally, if Smee doesn't like something, I love it. So <laughs> I think him and I are on opposite ends of some kind of weird spectrum. But you're both on that weird spectrum. Oh, yeah. Sure. We're on the weird spectrum for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Nevermore was great. And I think I'm going to have to sleeve it, though. Ooh. Yeah. Cheap cards or uh, you, lots of play? I think, yeah, I just think they get moved around a lot and they have dark borders. I mean, they're not mm. black border. They're like borderless, I think. But they're, uh, I'm just starting to notice chipping a little bit already. So yeah. I'm probably going to have to sleeve that. What's weird? Nevermore is on sale for like 15 bucks today on cool stuff. This That won't help our listeners. But, you know, is that a good price? I think so. Them? I yeah. really, I mean, it's just stupid and simple. It's like, take that, Sushi Go. <laughs> Interesting. Kind of. Sort of. don't know if that's a sales pitch or not. I'm not sure. I love little drafting games. I think it's fun. And it's a little bit like, I don't know, it's just a little bit more interactive in a smack your opponent in the face kind of way and sometimes it's good to have that and it's it's yeah. short enough that it's no one's feelings are going to get hurt too badly so anyway what, what really matters is that you play we're it. really focused on this and i had i played another game too <laughs> i got Yay. i got two out of three so piece o cake was on my list it was one of several food related games that i got and um it's a divvy mechanic game and i played it and it was just okay so no. that i i didn't play it with kids which may have been my mistake so i played it with grown-ups and maybe it would be better suited towards younger players i didn't play steampunk rally but not for lack of trying i did bring it to the panericon game day that we had but it just didn't get played so that's that and then you still did wonderfully i think i i'm kind of proud i really have been playing games as much as you guys want to give me a hard time i've been playing a crap ton of games so anyway for my <laughs> october top of the stack i'm really excited about all three of these actually uh samara is a game that i backed on kickstarter it is a worker placement game that has to do with time so you have to spend time to improve your skills and build things and you know it's it's kind of like a i don't know it's it's strangely real life sounding, but there's a time track and you put your workers on it and they have to, you have to plan out their time efficiently. And that's kind of a thing that I'm into. So I'm looking forward to that. I also got Between Two Cities in this, uh, I don't know. It, nice. it was in my giant stack of boxes that I finally unboxed. So uh, so who knows when it came in? No, I, I just... think it was recently. <laughs> I think that was the thing that just finally turned the tide for me. I was like, I'm going to have to get scissors to open this box because I know it's between two cities and I really want to play it. Let's just unbox all the rest of these 10 games nice. that are laying here. So yeah, there's that. And then Pocket Imperium, I picked up at Gen Con and it's a like a little 4X game that has simultaneous action selection and I just haven't had a chance or, you know, really the right group to play that with yet. So that's what I'm hoping to play. Cool. 
October is going to be a good month. If I can play all three of those games, it's going to be an amazing month. Well, very cool. So that is our top of the stack recap for September and our future for October. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to go through our designer spotlight for Mr. Stefan Feld. So join us for that. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us again. We are about to get into our designer spotlight for Stefan Feld, the Euromaster himself. So Tiff is going to give us a little bit of background information if there happens to be any but, on Stefan Feld. That's the thing about Stefan Feld. There's really not a whole lot of information about him on the internet, uh, which I really admire about him. He's this big time board game designer, but he's still kind of just like, hangout regular guy that you can't all you can find is lists of games apparently he was born in 1970 obviously he lives in germany and he's a teacher slash assistant principal so i don't know where really i don't know where he's finding time to design all these games but i applaud the man um yeah, yeah. so i found a couple like i found a click and Aben review uh interview with him that was really early on his, in his career talking about uh, roma and he has a personal website that kind of lists his games and his awards and stuff like that but you know it talks about him being a hobby and you know or board games being his hobby he started out playing D and like more thematic things than you might associate with seffenfeld but um you know, I, not a whole lot out there about the guy. He's too much of a normal guy. He's a, just a normal teacher guy. I love it. But he can't be because that makes me wonder what I'm doing with my life. It really made me kind of feel sad and pathetic when I, when I found <laughs> out that he, he's a teacher assistant principal and he makes all these amazing games and he's made a ton yeah. of them since 2005 was his first game. Yeah, and he's got 20 or so titles. Yeah. Isn't he like... Seven foot nine. He does appear to be tall in all of these pictures of him. Yeah. Everybody else is the German short. giraffe. Oh. He's big. Like, he looks tall, like in all the pictures I've seen. Yes, he's tall, slender, glasses. That's all I know about Stefan Feld, guys. So dreamy. If you had to rate him from one to ten. Oh no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Okay. As a designer, I mean. Oh. I would give him a, a nine. Point yeah, f- also point five. on his looks. So oh. we're going to go 9.5. Okay, thanks. thanks. Nah. Yep. <laughs> this just in. Tiff is attracted to Stefan Feld. Great. It's that shaved head. It's that shaved head. <laughs> you know? He's got that Mr. Clean kind of look. Oh. It's also the fact that he's childhood. a teacher. She really admires. You know, it's like, wow. He's relatable. <laughs> we yeah. would have so much in common. Yep. yep. Except for he he's would. like nine feet tall. He wouldn't even be able to well, hear also, me. Also, he speaks... <laughs> He You're the anti-Feld. <laughs> All right. So what uh, what do we feel really characterizes Feld games? Dan, you are like the king of game analysis. What do you feel when you think Feld in your short Feld career? What stands out? All right. So, yeah, you did mention short Feld career. I didn't really jump on the Feld train right away. Uh, my first experience with Feld was Castles of Burgundy. I bought this like three years ago, and it was good, but I wasn't blown away by it. But I'm glad I've kind of explored a little further as we've kind of 
gone along in our board gaming career here because he does have some really good ones. For me, the there's three three kind of big things that stand out for me in a Feld. Zero theme. Absolutely no <laughs> theme. Get that theme and get it the hell out of here. Uh, have you played Bora Bora? So thematic. Um, yeah. I agree. You're just, dropping men and women down a board <laughs> move your boy <laughs> anyways board board is amazing so lack of theme i think we can probably all kind of agree on that he's mechanically driven yeah i feel like we should keep it a positive mechanically driven not all of his games suck and have no theme no i didn't say they suck and have no theme i just said they have no theme for me that's not a problem at all i actually kind of prefer that he focuses on the mechanisms but second thing i think is this what everyone kind of associates with them and whether you like the term or not point salad his games have a large variety of ways to score multiple paths to victory dan multiple paths to victory which <laughs> pe some people love and other people's hate i personally i i don't really care either way as long as the game is good and the mechanisms that score those points are engaging and interesting and provide tough kind of meaningful decisions i'd almost add like a tiny counterpoint to that is that he does so he's got multiple pathway pathways to victory kind of but what i found from feld is that he you have to focus on all of those different scoring opportunities typically like in his games that i've played you can't ignore a lot of them so it's almost like i can't just take this singular strategy the strategy is try to do everything as best you can yeah a lot of and, his and make games very deliberate sacrifices don't really reward specialization in yeah. fact they punish you if you do a yeah. lot of the time yeah <laughs> mm-hmm if you'd like to be punished by Stefan Feld. God damn it. I knew oh, it. 9. I knew you would say 9.5. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy Feld. Steamy. Wow. I'm sorry, Stephen. folks. Just ignore ah, it. It feels like I'm on Bora Bora right now. It is warm in here. <laughs> so the, the last thing I wanted to just say, and then I'll let you guys jump in, is um, a few of his games, and I, I don't know how, how many. I don't have that off the top of my hand. But what's interesting is uh, I think fans of Euro games are always against randomness in in games but feld does with some of his games is he provides a random element that you need to basically optimize around which is it's kind of it gives an, a nice tension to the game that it's not overly solvable or predictable but at the same time those kind of random elements allow you to take a step back digest them and then work around them to the best of your ability which I, that's something i like if you're going to have random elements in a game yeah in the interview i read where they were talking about him he was talking about loving dice so i think it's it's a little peculiar as a german game designer but i think he does love those random elements and crafting them into a clever hey tiff you love dice too Woo, match.com <laughs> This is what we do on this show. We make dreams come true. <laughs> yep. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit Mr. Feld up. I'm gonna find. I him. didn't see any information about him being married, but I am, so that's kind of a problem. Hey, I mean... different zip code, right? <laughs> different I language per continent. What height. What happens in Essen stays in Essen. Is that a thing? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. I'm so that's, uncomfortable yeah. right now. I just want you to know, like, you can't, you can't tell because I have a desk lamp, but my face is like as red as the shirt right now. I can Oof. feel all the blood in my face. It's not good. Oh, we know when you're making, we're making you uncomfortable. And it's I hate you awesome. guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I'm going to let, so uh, let Tiff stew in that a little bit. Thanks. And w- one of the extra things I'll throw in there kind of speaks to those kind of punishing for ignoring certain elements is that um, a lot of the games, at least some of the, the ones that I like in his catalog, are they have this element that you have to take care of or you'll take a negative penalty. And I don't know how you want to describe that, but basically like Aquasphere, like Trajan um, and Bora Bora and things like that. They all have these things where it's like, okay, by this round, you need to have accomplished this goal, or you need to have done this thing, or you're going to eat a negative points. Um, feed your workers. Feed your work is it? Yeah, kind of like feed your workers <laughs> mechanic, but that's all in there on top of you trying to proactively score positive points. So it's it gives you something like a goal to work towards, but that goal doesn't always gel with the end goal of the game. So you're trying to prioritize and take like calculated risks of, okay, how much can I ignore this thing that I should be doing um, in his games? And that that adds attention to this already kind of mind boggling, you know, Euro point salad mixture that's that's tough to deal with. So that's always something that stands out for me. Hey, Tiff, Tiff, Richard here. Oh, no. Richard, no. Rumor on the street is by street, I mean, down south. Um that you're, they have one street down there. You're kind of into the Stefan Fell guy. What 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 happened to Cthulhu? I mean, I don't see a Cthulhu game in his catalog. He's all talking about castles and <laughs> cities and islands and and things like that. But there's no Cthulhu or zombies. I mean, does he have Defenders of the Bora Bora? I don't think so. That's 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 in my line. Defenders of the Bora Bora. Check that out. <laughs> um, but anyways, I just I just wanted you to clarify. <laughs> Why why are you doing this to me? I thought we had a thing, Tiff. <laughs> Richard, have you ever considered a collaboration with Stefan Feld? I'm talking about Cthulhu, the Euro game. Tiff, that's not going to work. Oh. Because the way he likes to use dice is not the way I like to use dice because his dice don't attack anything. I like to kill things. <laughs> My dice are thematic, and when you roll them, it's just like a sword swooping through the air, trying to cut you. Are, Ooh. are your dice... Ba- yeah, did you feel that theme? I, so I'm heroic. even thematic. I'm thematic when I talk. <laughs> That's what I do. I drip I drip it. It's in my saliva. What are you dripping? <laughs> what is happening? Theme. Okay. <laughs> this is the classic dilemma of, do you pick the warrior or the philosopher? You know, the body or the mind, It's tip. tough. I... <laughs> Stop, please stop. Can we talk about Euro games or not? Tiff, do you have any other things that you think are kind of quintessential Feld in his designs? I did, but now they're all gone because I... Because she's dreaming about him. <laughs> all right, so what we can do now that we chat about a kind of what Feld games consist of and what makes them Feld games, um, let's talk about some of our favorite designs. So we've got a little mini list of our kind of top Feld games. We ranked them all, but we isolated kind of our top four favorites. And we'll do like a little mini top four list about what we liked and why we liked them. So Dan, you actually have the first. Tiff and I's will be talked about um, later. So go ahead and talk about your number four Feld game. Uh, my number four is one that I've only gotten to play once because it's really hard to get a hold of, but I've had a chance to play it, and I loved it, and that is Macau. Uh, this is an, one of, I don't want to say an older design of his, but it's from, I think it's 2009, and what you're doing is, it's obviously Macau being the the, the port city in, in China. I've been there in real life, but it was nice to go there in the game as well. Uh, completely different time periods, though. I wasn't alive in the 17th century. <laughs> Just fun fact about me. 
<laughs> um, okay. So Macau is like it's played over. I think it's like twelve rounds. But the the cool little thing, and this is a a thing with all my my love for Felds, is the the mechanisms obviously. But my favorite mechanism in this game is this disc. Each player has this like personal disc, and what you're doing is you're going to be one player is going to roll these six different colored dice, and then people are going to go around and they're going to draft two of them. And the number and the color of dice that you you draft determines what, quote, resources you're going to get to put along this wheel. And as this wheel spins round around, it turns, when it gets to the section where you have the resources, you get to collect them. And then you get to spend them on actions that take place on the board. So it's got this really cool you can either kind of go for long-term planning where you're kind of stacking up one compartment, you know, two or three turns down the line to really have a big turn and do some comboing that way. Or you can kind of space it out and and incrementally kind of do actions as the wheel turns. So I really liked that mechanic and it played really well. And then he, you know, there's a couple of other things like you're moving a ship around the board, collecting things, and there's a set collection piece um, so a couple of standard things you'll you find in a lot of felds, but uh, that that rotating disc and the collection of the resources, putting them along that disc was was really cool and it really stood out to me and I, I really enjoyed uh, working through that little puzzle. Very cool, very cool. This is one that I haven't gotten to play yet, so I can't really weigh in on. Tiff, have you gotten a chance? No, I haven't played that one. Yeah. Sorry, it's tough. It's out of print. You can't. It's hard to find because I've I've even looked for it. So. Dan, I think you've played the most Feld games out of all of us. I went on a binge like yeah. within the last like six months of trying to just play a ton. Well, then that says something that this is in your, you know, your four. So I'm going to jump in and uh, my number three, my number four will be talked about later. My number three is Notre Dame. And this is one that Dan also introduced me to uh, because he was trying to hunt it down. And this is a really cool, how do you describe this one, Dan, in terms of mechanism? Drafting drafting i mean the basis is card drafting and the cards have actions on them um and the cool thing about this is that you each have your hand of cards and you're going to draft one of them and then you're going to pass your hand of cards so everyone has the same deck of cards but the draw might be different and then as you pass them you're going to end up with one of each player's cards um so you're essentially taking that out of their draw deck and then you're gonna you know execute the actions one by one and I just really appreciated this game for the simplicity of it. You know, it's not terribly complex. It plays really quick and it kind of fits into that uh, Tiff's favorite, like a light feld, like a uh, game we'll talk about later, La Isla. Um, I really found that Notre Dame was super approachable and I really like card drafting and that's why Dan thought I would like it and I did. So I just found that even though it's kind of muted and brown and not terribly thematic, that, you know, it felt like a really smart game that introduced some different mechanisms than he normally uses uh, into this really kind of light Euro style game that is really easy to pick up and play. So Dan, you also have this uh, on your list and Tiff, this was your number four. So how about you tell us what you guys thought about it? Kind of all the same things that you just said. I really like light Feld, like as light as his games can be, but uh, it's it's quick. It's one that I can. I was introduced to it by Dan as well, and I went out and bought it right away. And it's one that's a little bit easier to get to the table than his more heavier games, and you know, has that nice Feldy feel. Dan, oh, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Well, Tiff, your number three is on uh, higher up on somebody else's list. So let's go ahead and jump into your number two. Um, my number two is the Speicherstadt. Uh, it's one of the few like auction style games that I really like and kind of a weird one for Feld, I guess. It still has punishment in it, like so many of his games. So you're, you're trying to protect your buildings from fire so you, so you can collect fireman cards. And if you don't and a fire comes up, it punishes you in the score. You go back negative points. But the main part of the game has to do with putting these meeples on these different cards that you're trying to collect. You, some of them are set collections. There are just different ways to get points from all the cards. Some of them make it cheaper to buy things. But in any case, you're putting a meeple down and that will give you, if you're the first person right next to the card, that'll give you the first chance to purchase the card. But as meeples go into this sort of tower that you're building with your meeples, the more there are in that tower, the more the cost is. So if four different people put their meeple, yeah, you'll get first chance, but it's gonna cost you four coins and it's really tight money-wise. So, uh, and that that yeah. doesn't sound fun, but I really like it and it's got a little meta game to it. So it's an interesting Feld. Yeah, I thought that the bidding uh, mechanism was great. I this didn't really hit home for Kel or Ben. They thought it was forgettable. Have you played it with more than three players? Too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we played it only three, and it was a little loose. You know, it wasn't too hard to get a hold of stuff, even though it does scale for player count. You know, it was relatively easy to get what you wanted. Uh, money's still tight, and you know, I found it to be interesting and one that I wanted to explore a little more. But they weren't really feeling it too much. I think it's better with four and five. Best, yeah. probably best with four. Uh, I've played it with three. It's okay with three, but four is probably the sweet spot for it. It's crazy quick. Yeah. I was surprised how fast it goes. Yeah, yeah. You can... Not a lot of time to, to do stuff. It's a really good one. That's why... I mean, you, I'm more, more often than not, my games are going towards a time factor is a huge deal to me. Mm -hmm. And Spiekerstadt is one that I've played lots of times because it's so quick. Uh, well, one that is not quick, at least from my one play of it. Dan, you're number two. Bora Bora. Hello, island world. This <laughs> brightly game colored blue and orange island world uh -oh. is this game hurts my freaking eyes. It is one of the most cluttered and horribly illustrated games I've I've seen in a long time. But it plays really damn good. I've played this a couple times. Not. Not horror, not as much as my number one or three or any of the other ones, but um, this game really kind of captured me the way that he uses the dice to uh, take actions, the manipulation of your player board by <laughs> moving and <laughs> advancing your women and men on the board, I think is actually what they are called, the women and men yes. tile. This game, it's just so thematic. I mean, I... <laughs> I almost had to start naming them just to give them a little personality. Yeah. You know, you're not just you really, you're not just any man. You are George. You know, you really start to feel like you're collecting shells. You know, it's yeah, great. you do. It's great. I really did. But yeah, if you can, I, I know this one kind of. I stayed away from this one for so long because of how sinfully ugly it is, and it's just that that alone makes it intimidating. 
Um, the game itself is probably on, you know, medium to high side as far as complexity is concerned. Um, it does have a lot of little nitpicky rules that'll take you some time to get used to. But once everything's handled, it's a, it's like any of his games. It, it'll flow. And it makes sense when you see the inner workings and how everything plays off of each other. Uh, but that, that takes a little bit longer than some of his other ones for me, I will yeah. say. But I, I loved it nonetheless. Bora Bora is how you use Dyson in Euro games. You know, it's I a really that. great way to use dice in a very Euro style, you know, not rolling to hit a certain number, but rolling and reacting like you like to do, Dan. Um, it's all, it's kind of like the Marco Polo thing, you know, it's done first, obviously, but I think it's really smart. I don't, I don't know. The game's not that bad to look at, is it? I don't know. I mean, I like the colors, but it's, the, it, it's really... <laughs> It's colorful. It's way more colorful than any Euro game ever is. So I think that it's not the... It's hideous. Oh, my God. Why am I trying to defend this game? It's so <laughs> ugly. Um, it's not as bad as your number one. Shut up. Uh, I will drive to Baltimore right now. No, it's... Yes. <laughs> We can play games. It's just the player board is so cluttered. I think that's my yeah. problem with the looks of this game. And so many times I am judging games based on their initial looks. And for some reason, the hideousness of this did not push me away from it because it is my number three. I really like Bora Bora, even though it's disgusting. Ignore the crazy color scheme and enjoy the really deep gameplay. It's just, tough. It's a tough game. Just trust us, guys. It's good. Yeah. That is our two, three, and four. So let's get into our number one. And the cool thing about all of our number ones are that they're all different. Look at us. We have diverse taste in Feld games uh, because I don't like Tiff's and Dan doesn't like mine. And I don't know if anybody likes Dan's, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so my number one Feld game, uh, we'll get into my number two that we skipped. My number one is Aquasphere. And I don't, I'll caveat with, I don't think that Aquasphere is his like end-all be-all best design. I don't think it's quintessential Feld. I don't think that this is the one you start with when you want a Feld game. But I think that Aquasphere is the most interesting of the ones that I've played. Um, part of it is because since it's the newest, it just he's aggregated a lot of the stuff that he's used before and polished them and put them into this game. And a lot of the complaints about the game are that there's too much going on. And that there's there's just too much to handle and that it's kind of weird. Um, but if you can get a grasp of what's actually happening in the game, the puzzle is super fun because it's got area control and it's got kind of like balancing movement allowance and trying to program um, your actions appropriately. And the damn crystals that ruin everyone's lives. Uh, we have a review on nonsensicalgamers.com if you want to check out more of everyone's thoughts. But... I just find it to be a very rewarding game that changes so drastically from game to game. Like what you did one game may not even be possible the second game, um, let alone viable like strategically. I just I appreciate that it's ever changing. You know, it's very different every time where the other ones that I've played, they're fun and they're complex and they're they're deep. But in general, you're doing a lot of the same stuff. And I feel like Aquasphere is just way more of a moving target that I like trying to kind of figure out, like, what is going to happen this game? What's going to be viable? Um, and it's just it's just fun. So that is why it's my number one. But Tiff is on, like, the opposite side of the Feld spectrum because she loves this weird game. I like Aquasphere, but I really love La Isla. I don't know what it is about this game. If it's just, like, 
I like games with weird tiles, but I don't know. It's it's fun because I've talked about Lady Slow before, but you you have three cards and you have their multi-use cards and you have to decide which way you're going to use them every turn. And it's just kind of like this optimal, like you can't get exactly what you want every time and you're just trying to make the best of what you have and go around on this board and collect different animals and increase the value of the animals that you're collecting. And I don't know. It's just got all the things for me. And it's small and cheap and short and perfect. And yeah, green. Green. So green. green. So green. Dark green. It's a dark green. It's a darker green. But I don't have a problem with green like Dan does, so... I love green, but I play green, and when I see so much of it, it just Dan loses eyes. his adventures on the board. That's why <laughs> I <laughs> was where my pieces go. It's another one of those games where when I f- first looked at it, I was like, "There is not a chance that I'm buying this game." Look at these plastic explorers. It's not even Euroe, uh, but I got over it pretty quickly once I started playing the game. It's just it's a fun light feld. Everybody should, yeah. and it's it's got some replayability to it. It doesn't feel exactly the same every time to me, anyway. So. I like. I love the card play. It's very clever. Yeah. I really enjoy the the straining to kind of optimize with what you're given. Yeah, you're given three random cards, but you know you can build up those bonuses over time, and there's different ways you can set collect. And yeah, I like the card play. It's definitely on my list. I'm glad. I need to try it some more because I had a bad experience with it. What is wrong with you? He got crushed the one game he played. He did. I, I didn't do well. I mean, I was pretty far behind. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. do. That'll well. do it. Give it another chance. Don't be bitter. The car play is nice. Though. It's fun. <laughs> it's clever. It's cool. Anyway, so talk about my number two, Dan. Uh, my number one is also like one of my probably my top 10 favorite games of all time. And that is Trajan or Trajan. <laughs> I, no. I don't think that works with that. Uh, one, we're going to just make it French because it's fun, even though it's not remotely french but it just sounds better with the soft jack should be trajan trajan no that was a little too japanese yeah well let's just talk about the game anyways this game is amazing this is like mechanism upon mechanism upon mechanism seamlessly woven together to create a masterpiece of both entertainment (laughs) and design Uh, wow this game is so good i love it now my favorite who's part, in love with Steffenfeld after that? Uh, no one ever said I wouldn't date the man. No one asked me. <laughs> Jeez, Tiff. You're just hogging the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my favorite part of this game is the little Rondell Moncala thingy that he's got going on where you're picking up the different pieces and triggering actions, but you can also trigger the bonus actions if you line it up correctly. So much thinky. So much goody. I love it. Those aren't even real words, and that's how much I love it. I'm using non-real words to describe it. I, I can't say I've talked about it before on the show, so I don't. I won't go too much, but it's really good. If you haven't played Trajan, go play it. You're missing out if you haven't. It's definitely solid. It's a lot of fun. You know, there's a lot of different things to focus on, and you got to focus on all of them. There's things that will penalize you if you don't focus on them. A lot of moving parts, um, stuff to balance, and it just keeps you engaged the whole time. And it goes pretty quick, which is nice, because every little individual piece is easily digested. The problem is, 
when you put all those cogs together, it's like, how do I make this stuff run smoothly? How do I start generating points? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it rewards repeated plays, which is another nice thing. You know, the more you play it, the it's, better you'll get at it. It's a healthy mix of strategic and tactical, which is, I think it hits that really sweet spot because with the, the Moncala mechanism, you can't plan too far ahead, but you can go about probably three turns reasonably well in your mind. And then from there, again, adjust tactically if someone takes a tile of yours or something like that. But it, it and I keep, I think that helps keep the pace going as well for it. But it, it can also suffer from some AP if you're not one of those people that can kind of digest the, the strategic outlook um, yeah. as well. Well, it's nice, though, because you don't want to be planning any more than three turns out usually because no. yeah. the board state can change enough with and you want to be able to react to players. So it, it the game itself, because of its limitation, helps you, you know, work within your normal capacity anyway, which is nice because you don't ha you don't feel like you're missing anything because you're like, OK, I plan three turns out and that feels like the appropriate amount to plan out anyway. True. It's cool. Yeah. You don't yeah. ever really get boned horribly. Yeah. Tiff, any, have you played Trajan? Yes. Not on your list. Not on your top four. No, it's not. I like Trajan. It's a little bit more thinky than I want it to be. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I just, I can't play it very often, and I am prone to AP. Even though you only have to go three turns out, I'm like, oh my god, this Moncala. I don't know what it is about the game, but it just, it clogs up my brain. Yeah, and it doesn't fit in that. Like, that's not like a 45-minute fill. Well, neither is Bora Bora, but there's just something about the that's way true. you use dice in that game that I really like. Uh, Trajan doesn't yeah. have dice, so. And Trajan is very brown. So brown. No, very brown. it's kind of gray. Yeah. Isn't it more gray? Gray, yeah. Gray and tan. Yeah. I find it to be one of his better-looking games, though. I like the way the map is kind it's, of. It's cleaner. Yeah. It's segregated. I think Aquasphere is probably the best looking out of Feld games. It's one of the better looking. Yeah, it could induce a stroke, but it's <laughs> it's got a nice color scheme. <laughs> you just have once you know everything, it, it looks nice. Let's you know? talk real quick before we jump into what BGG thinks. What what is your least favorite Feld if you had to pick one? Uh, well, Tiff, you go first. Okay, least favorite Feld is one that doesn't get talked about a lot. It's it happens. <laughs> it's a. It's that's what it's called. It's from Queen Games. The artwork is by Michael Menzel. So really, this should have. It has dice in it. I should love this game, but I don't. Uh, now that being said, I didn't play it under ideal circumstances. But um, my buddy Kyle brought it over, and we played it two players. And it's supposed to be light. It's a thirty-minute or less type of a game, and you're using dice, kind of dice placement e, uh, to get majorities on different ant hills. I think is how it works. So yeah, I don't know. I just nothing about that game really made me ever want to play it again. It happens. Interesting. Yeah. What is the theme of that? It's ant eaters. That's right. Yeah. It's ant eater theme. So it's got a quirky theme that features animals. It's got Stefan Feld. It's got Michael Menzel, who's one of my favorite artists. It's got dice. It seems like the perfect game for me, but it really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Well, I haven't played Amerigo or Rialto. And I hear I hear mixed reviews about both of those games. But the one that I I have to put La, La Isla as my least favorite because I've had the worst experience with it. Now that may not be true, 
It may not be my least favorite, but at the moment, you know, in time, but in the moment it is. You might not be able to see this because of my webcam, but there's a single tear just rolling down my cheek right now. <laughs> I I actually will tell you that the the only experience with Phil that I've had that is worse than my experience with La Isla, which was a three-player game, is four-player Castles of Burgundy. Three-player Castles of Burgundy is one of, like, the best light intro-y you know kind of thinky euro experiences four player is a struggle it's almost torture because it takes an hour and a half longer to play that game at four players i don't know why but it's rough anyway maybe that's why i don't like castles of burgundy i don't think i've ever played it with less than four no four play it with three three is so much better four i don't know why because usually his games work well with different player counts he usually sits pretty pretty (laughs) he usually sits pretty at three players yeah, I've found. So what's your least favorite, Dan? My least favorite, I don't know. Mine's kind of like Matt's. It it has to do more with experience with the game as opposed to the game itself. In theory, I should like most things about this game. But Brews just really, I've had a couple of really bad experiences. And it's mainly with the card draw. It annoys me to no end that I work so diligently to set myself up. I avoid all the nasty penalties that he gives me. And when I need to draw a red card, I'm going through these piles and I can't find (laughs) a red card to save my life. And it just throws off what I just built up for the last four turns. And it's just that, uh, that randomness of the card draw. And I I love the multi-use cards. I love the different kind of things that you're doing with those cards, but just the card draw itself. And, And it's not just a single experience with it. I've had it at least on two occasions where it's just been, I wanted to flip the table. I think that's I a common so enraged by it. thing. I, I really like Bruges, but no one in my group ever wants to play it again because of the card draw. So Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it, go ahead, man. It's fun because you draw the cards and you think, okay, multi-use cards, and I get the, the fun and enjoyment of it is, how do I maximize this? Yeah. The problem is, is that when you put it in a competitive setting, somebody else is getting better card draws than you and they're chaining well. So you're doing well and feeling good about your individual little game. And then you look up and you're like, crap, I'm doing terrible in the the scheme of the competition, you know? Or like you look down and you're like, oh, I set this up nicely. All I need is a red card and boom, trigger, trigger, trigger. And you're not going to get a red card for four rounds. <laughs> like it's yeah. just the way the draw works out. And it's like, it's tough. Oh, what am I but supposed to do? It's fun in concept. Dan, have you, pl- yeah. have you played Rialto? Uh, I did once a long time. That might have been one of the first Felds I played. Okay. And I didn't care for it, but I don't really know that I can provide a good analysis on why. If I, I just don't remember that much about it. It's forgettable. I, I've i only played it once, but I disliked it enough never to play it again. And if it happened, didn't happen for me, that would be my bottom Feld. <laughs> Interesting. Well... So looking at the BGG list, we are largely in disagreement with the masses, everybody. Uh, at number four, BGG, that these are the of the top-ranked Feld games, is Bruges, which none of us had on our list. Uh, number three is Bora Bora, so we're all in agreement that Bora Bora is fun and the community agrees with us. Trajan is on there, which Dan and I both had uh, at number two. And then the number one, and this, uh, for whatever reason, the Castles of Burgundy. It's accessible. I think it's a very accessible film. And it's been around a while. That's true. It has been around. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, not as long. There's still other games of his that are much older, but I think it's got to be that accessibility, I suppose. But, God, they must not be playing at four players. No, four players (laughs) horrible. (laughs) 
but yeah so none of us had castles of burgundy on uh on our list so we are it's my number five for the record is it it was my yeah. second to last with three players i really enjoy it it's it's another one of those hits a nice little scratches a good itch i love chaining my pigs together um, <laughs> <laughs> look at all those chickens or 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 what looks like a pig i don't really know if it is because the art's so tiny on this it's true lots of tiny animals <laughs> uh, a couple of times i've been screwed by thinking i had one thing and i didn't know like, oh crap that's not a rooster <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and let's round out our designer spotlight on, on Mr. Fell by chatting about some of the games that we want to play. So we each kind of aggregated a list of games that we haven't played. Let's pick one or two of them that we really want to try out and let's talk about why. So Dan, how about you start? Uh, first up is one that I haven't gotten to try and that's just because of me and that's because it's being reprinted and that is Luna. This is coming from Tasty Minstrels, the reprint. Before that, it was another one of those really hard to get felds. So I didn't really chase it knowing that a reprint was coming. So I'd really like to try that one out. Um, and the other one I'd really like to give a go that I've heard mixed things about is Amerigo. Um, this one's got one of those neat little cube towers that it's put into a feld. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it's used. Again, I've heard mixed things on it from, from people I trust. So I think I'm going to have to just try it and see what I think. Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat, Dan. I'm going to piggyback right off you. Luna, um, the, with a reprint coming, that's definitely one I'm looking forward to. It sounds interesting. I've heard and, and watched some gameplay on it. Um, and Amerigo. I've heard a lot about Amerigo. Some good, some bad. Uh, it's, like you said, just one of those ones that I want to try for myself because it sounds like a game that I would enjoy with the cube tower and all, but I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to see if the claims that people make against it are legitimate, you know, but I can't do that without a play. So Luna and Amerigo are also the top two for me, although you recently got to play a couple of the ones down in North Carolina that are also interesting. Um, Name of the Rose and things like that. I so need to find those, that. I'm still searching. Yeah, so they're up there on my list too. So Tiff, what about you? Luna's been on my list for a while. Same deal. It's been so hard to find, and now it's going to get reprinted, and the whole world is going to rejoice. <laughs> I I own Amerigo, but have yet to play it, and that's definitely on, like, that's a goal. But uh, I really want to play Roma. It was his first published game. It's not terribly well-rated, but it has dice placement, kind of. Uh, and, and I don't know. I like the sounds of it. I would like to give it a try just to see what his first effort was like. Yeah, for nostalgia's purpose. Yeah. Nostalgia. Well, and it has art by Ma- Michael Menzel. What could, so just what could go it. wrong? <laughs> it happens. <Damn> it. <laughs> hi yo. Uh, all right, so that is Stefan Feld in a nonsensical nutshell. You know, we did our designer spotlight. That is all we have for today. So be sure to uh, reach out to us with your favorite Feld games or your thoughts on Mr. Stefan Feld, whether or not he gels with your style or not over on the Guild. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, that is the place to go, the BGG Guild number 2077. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. If you enjoy the show and you want to provide some feedback, we would appreciate it. Uh, helps us you know, do what we do and do it the best we can. You can give us reviews on iTunes or on Stitcher or you know, just send out a tweet about how much you love us and, and bug all your friends to listen. No, I'm just teasing. If you want to chat with us directly, uh, you can do so on Twitter by searching for Dan at... At League Nonsense. 
or at scandalous underscore nad. And Tiff? I am at inept gamer. Take note, Steffenfeld. <laughs> Is Steffenfeld on Twitter? Uh, Maybe I need to look into that. Uh, like you haven't already. <laughs> yeah, you should. That that seemed like a rhetorical question, mm, too. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, I'm at Cinnamon Buns, so you can talk to me, too. And Spelled uh, stupidly. Spelled stupidly. <laughs> and join us next week for Boardcast News, where we'll talk about some news, hopefully from Essen, and about some Kickstarter spotlights that we drum up. Let's all say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. 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 <laughs>